Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week I'll be speaking to a different artist. But let's begin by banging these bongos. Hello and welcome to episode number 64 of the Ministry of Arts podcast. This week, I'm taking you to meet Lady Pat. For years, Lady Pat has been a VJ and a music video producer, working with the likes of Boy George and Adamski. How a regular artist might put his ideas in sketch form, Lady Pat does his on a computer in GIF form. And when they're complete, he just puts them out online for all to use. He's had over 2 billion downloads. His approach to producing physical artworks is pretty similar to that of digital. To get a flat, dense colour, he used acrylics and then spray paints, but settled on something quite unexpected. Come and find out for yourself when I went to meet Lady Pat. Mizog, I don't think Mizog reached the Isle of Wight, which is where I grew up. Oh, Isle of Wight's cool though, isn't it? It's really funny. I mean, it's a cool place now, but when I grew up in the 70s, it seemed to be like you weren't even in England, you know. It, it's it's sort it's of very different, isn't it? It's known for being like twenty years behind, and you can imagine like before internet and everything yeah. else. Um, it was, you know, it was an experience. It's one of those places that you can't really wait to leave. And of course, then when you do, you see the things that kind of make it bad are also the things that make it really good yeah. and make you want to return. Um, but yeah, I, I guess I mean there is sort of like art stuff going on there, obviously, but. Um, you know, nothing works like being on Isle of Wight and then coming to somewhere like London yeah. and then suddenly it all sort yeah, of I've got a few explodes. friends there. They, they, their children want to get off the island. Yeah. I mean, I'm in London right now, but I've just come from Isle of Wight. I was there the last three years. I was living in a rustic sort of uh, cottage at the end of a lane um, in a, you know, really tiny village. And it, was, it couldn't be more removed from this. But like I say... The, the, some, the things that make that really good are also the things that make it really bad yeah. so you just make it work for you in that situation yeah. with 
peace and space. Um, but you have to make your own entertainment. But that's the way it's always been with me anyway, because I grew up there. 70s, it's like, okay, make your own entertainment, and that's probably what got me into art. Yeah, good. The sort of uh, escapism or the fantasy world, or just the sheer boredom that we always used to have in the 70s, was now um, younger people more in a state of distraction than fully blown boredom. Yeah. You know, with boredom, it's, you know, devil makes work for idle hands, isn't that's it? That's good, though, eh? That's good, though. <laughs> I mean, my, I've got a 15 year old boy now. He gets bored. He just sits in front of his telly on the Xbox yeah. and it does my, does my head in. I remember like you'd walk through a park when you're younger and everyone's like sort of bored and there'd be all this sort of, you know, aggression, simmering aggression or fights or people looking at you the wrong way yeah. and all this sort of thing. Yeah. But now it's like everyone's really well behaved because sort of scrolling, scrolling, yeah. scrolling. Yes, yeah, it's, it's just the way the world evolves, isn't it? Mm. So, yes. I've got seven questions that I ask each artist mm. the first being how would you explain what you do to someone that didn't know your work oh if they didn't know my work well first of all well I've had my artwork explained to me quite helpfully um, people say it's kind of um, irreverent lo-fi sort of fucked up punky um, humorous sometimes sort of jammed full of um, cultural references a lot of musical references um it's a kind of sort of, you know, lo-fi, take no prisoners, kind of whatever my obsessions are that I want to work through. Um, how it's been for me is that I primarily uh, worked in digital art, which meant I, um, I did a lot of music videos and I also did a lot of uh, live visuals work at festivals and clubs, um, spent years as a VJ. But at this moment in time, I've kind of... Um, stop the timeline stop the sort of digital side mm. and become more of a maker so all the designs <clears> have accumulated <throat> over all these years of all these collaborations a lot of them are vector based and i wanted instead of just making like a chiclet print i want to make um you know artifacts make art and yeah. i've been experimenting with lots of different materials because i one thing i do love consistently is um just flat blocks of color I don't really like brush strokes, I don't really like lines. Yeah. I, I like colour blocking and, uh, you know, very sort of super graphic and very tight um, imagery. Uh, so, oh, I, sh I should point out as well that I've really, I'm an artist that has kind of come up more through uh, Clubland and I guess through the internet as well. Um, we met via me mutual friend Ben Adamski, who you've yes. worked with in the past. Yes, I'm working quite closely with him at the moment. He's, he's limbering up to, there's like the 30th anniversary of Killer, so um, I'm helping him out with his social media and I'm doing lots of um, sort of bootlegs and remixes and, and scratch videos and stickers and GIFs and all sorts of lovely digital artifacts. Um, but I've been collaborating with Adam for years. I, I think I met him in 2002, and I probably, I've done like 100 music videos now, but probably like a good quarter of those are for Adam in all his various uh, guises. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> We've a different coloured beard in each one, no doubt. Different coloured beards <laughs> by the week. <laughs> yeah. Um, your work, you, so you've taken it away from video, uh. and you've experimented in um, spray, um, several other mediums. Yeah, because when I was on the Isle of Wight, I had all this like time and space to experiment. And um, what I really wanted to do was was get like the large flat 
blocks of color and and so I'd work with spray paints and then I had a phase um I went into I was doing tape art and I was like just drawing directly with tape on walls and then I started doing stenciling was was sort of stenciling with mirrors and what have you um and all of them definitely had their their charms and their appeals probably the the one that was working quite well for me was the, the sort of spray yeah. um stuff but so was it the fact that you had a finished idea and you was trying different mediums to to get to to what you had in your head but none of them were quite hitting the Ab- mark absolutely because most of my i mean my workflow will be you know like most people i'll have an idea i'll draw it down i'll do an illustration but then i always take it into a digital you know i'll take it into software and there'll be like a digital master so those designs you know they can go into animations they can go into music videos yeah. they can go yeah. to live visuals they can go anywhere and um, they can go into prints but the actual design yes i would want to replicate it um and it was it was a funny sort of transition really because when you're working in software the colors never run out the canvas no. never runs and they're out extremely bold and, and yeah no, but well, also you don't you don't run out of money it's like oh no, i've run out of like red <laughs> and like you, you know, don't need another can- oh, oh shit, i need to order like another turquoise um aerosol can or what have you so but once i got my head around that it was going quite nicely but um doing the, the kind of using the aerosol cans and stuff and especially being in a really rustic environment i'd, I'd find out insects would keep going into the paint and <laughs> it would have to be like a sunny day so that you could dry everything yeah. without it you know and it was just a bit of a bother really and i'm you know i like a simple life so it's like well i'm it's, it's great but i need to find another medium and um for some reason i settled on felt and i'm not exactly sure why although i did find a picture of me doing a felt painting in 1992 um when i lived in stoke on trent and i was doing um a degree there so was that the catalyst to think oh i'll try felt or i'll go back to felt ish i found i found the photo recently so the thing is i've always done art and i've always made stuff and so there's probably loads of stuff i've done and it's it's forgotten and it, it just sort of comes back in doesn't it yeah um until I actually got a load of different felt colours together, um, I could see that this is going to work really well because I'd been doing a lot of stenciling. So I've got quite good at following the lines and the shapes of these vectors. And, you know, felt just comes off the roll. So it's like, um, there's your paint bucket tool. It's like there's your your kind of standard um, flat colour. So it just depends on cutting and sticking. Mm. And so it's, it's kind of replicating... Uh, vector image and I mean at the moment as well it has to be said I do see a lot of textile art doing the rounds it's kind of having a moment isn't it yeah um a lot of stuff I see you know it's great it's elaborate it's intricate it's homespun um but I really wanted to take textiles and make it quite uh kind of graphic and tight and and not homespun mm. I want it to actually look quite mechanical and look quite computerized um and, and just sort of have that lineage because they come from vector drawings. Yeah, yeah. So I want them to be sharp. I want them to be tight. Um, I mean, it's but impossible. you're sort of bringing high-tech and low-tech together, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. It's, um, and that's always a good a, a good to have another level within your artwork, isn't definitely, it? Definitely, definitely. I mean, if, if I just um, did like a gicle print, uh, and yeah, I've done this. I've, I've done prints. I've framed them. I've, I've exhibited them. And... You, begin, you can almost, for me, feel like a, a guest at my own exhibition. It, it's like um, you need to, for me, I want to actually make the work somehow. Mm. And 
Felt's just really super charming. I mean, I see the pictures and I think I'm, I'm absolutely 100% um, satisfied, you know, with this, which I never usually am. There's just something about it which, uh, which I find acceptable. <laughs> how long have you been working with it? <laughs> Only just over a year. And so. how was you... You have shown the felt works yeah. before. Yeah, I was in an exhibition in November... Um, with Duovision up in Liverpool and I was in it was like a two header exhibition with this really great Welsh artist called Dan Edwards um, so it was like a pop art theme and uh, I think it's called From Club to Canvas yeah. so yeah. artists you maybe come up through Clubland and you, you know with a pop art theme um, Dan does these like really like photo perfect oil painting collage impossible to describe you just need to look at them they're, they're really fab and I'm doing my felt um, pop art paintings and Duo Vision put us together and we, we did like a double header exhibition and it went really well. How did you come by Duo Vision? Ah, Duo Vision, Martin Green, James Lawler. Let me think about this one. I, I think Martin invited me. Most things that happen with me, is much like this podcast, people sort of invite me. Yeah. I'm always like there just sort of doing stuff. Um, I guess slightly under the radar, but... Um, Nevertheless, it's out there, and I normally just wait for people to sort of ask me to do something or invite mm. me. Um, I just think it's more charming rather than. Do you do see you, what I mean? Yeah, I have, do, you, do you dislike putting your head above the parapet? It's not that I dislike it, it's just that I believe if it, it sort of makes me improve myself as an artist, the idea that if, if no one's interested, then it simply isn't very good. Yeah. And I don't really have the resources or the connections or the relations or you know to pull strings so it really makes you think well if if whatever i'm achieving under my you know has to be under my own steam and it has to be the work simply isn't good enough i have to make it so good that somebody will see it on my instagram and extend an invitation yeah well the only reason i ask that is because because in your career the work that people see of yours Mm. you've got a, a disconnect from because you've made it one day and could be several months later it's mm. being shown so you have got a, a disconnect there and i wondered if, if that's how you felt when you showed your artwork whether you don't like being side by side with it do you see what i mean i don't mind being side by side of it if i've recreated it and you know made it in the medium of fuzzy felt or acrylics what i do mind is if i've made um a digital design you know like a vector piece and then I, I print that out and then that becomes the artwork mm. because that to me feels more like a souvenir of the yeah, artwork yeah I know and it's very funny with digital because where is um there's all sorts of debates about it but where where is the um the ultimately where is where is the art is it like it's only to be viewed online or through a, a, a video screen or yeah I think the days of people judging digital art are long gone I think digital is it's just like another tool and Especially these days, everyone's grown up with um, internet as an extra limb and editing as, as, you know, it's just always there and available. We don't even think about it. Um, But for myself, because I really, um, I was like 30 by the time I got a computer, it's the year 2000, and the timing was brilliant because the rules hadn't really been set. Everyone was using modems. YouTube didn't even exist until 2006. 
So people like we want like a music video. We want you know how are we going to show it? There's no bandwidth, and I'm like, well, I know this program called Flash, and I can make vectors, I can make like a cartoon for you, and they're like, great, we can show this at our live show, and we can do PAs in clubs, and can you do our website and all this? So you just go to clubs, and and just basically it it all sort of comes yeah. to you. But that's really more about timing because my work does sort of advance through in a way due to technological advances. Mm. But at the same time, I'm really not a technical person at all. And so it's staggering that I've <laughs> <laughs> managed to like, make one music video, let alone a hundred. Or, you know, it's, it's really just sort of um, a sheer will. But also, it's about buzz. Like, yeah. I, I would make music videos because, you know, who, as far as I'm concerned, like, who wouldn't want to do like a video with Boy George or collaborate with Adamski yeah. or, you know, do a, do a VJ set for... I don't know, fucking... Uh, whoever, whoever. All of them, just like, we ended up doing all of them. When was your first interest in art? So as far back as I can remember, I was always, I was, um, as a young child, I was, and I was actually quite known for being obsessed by comics. Um, used to order, I mean, that was my world. I was, I was obsessed by comics and pop music, but comics sort of came first. Yeah. Um, comics came a bit before Steve Strange and Mark Harmon yeah. and Boy George and all that, Billy <laughs> McKenzie. But um, so I used to buy. I can probably recite them all now: Wizard and Chips, Whoopi, Labino, yeah, Jackpot, like Roy the Rovers, Tiger, Speed, all these things. I used to have ten on order. I used to buy them every week, um, and it reached such a stage that Buster comic, which at the time was the number two comic behind the Beano, that it was 1981, and they were having their 21st anniversary. They wanted to find Buster's champion reader. And I'm like, well, I'm Buster's champion reader. Like, <laughs> You've you know, got him. I've got to win this. And I'm like, well, you know, okay, so I buy like 10 comics a week, but it's, it's kind of, might not be a good enough reason. So then I thought, I know, I'll make my own comic and I'll say it was inspired by Buster. Excellent. So like I made this comic, I had all these strips and I kind of based them on, you know, family members or pets yeah, or just yeah. whatever As was in my world. As most cartoons are made up from. Yeah, and... Um, like we printed it all up and then we had this, I mean, I look back at it now, it's it sort of slightly a bit of a rinse. Um, we'd like print up a hundred copies and I'd sell them at school and the profits would go to Mother Teresa. But it was only, oh. it, was only like, it was only like 10p in addition. There was yeah. only like 1p profit. So like if I sold out, which I would sometimes, like a whole pound would go to Mother Teresa. But anyway, it looked quite good for the um, competition. So I won that competition, became Buster's champion reader. And it was like a 10-year-old and I was like put onto television and in the sort of local papers and, you know, all terribly exciting and sad and funny and, you know, but it did make me, you know, ultimately, if nothing else, it made me realise, you know, I can be in the Isle of Wight in 1980 and, and be in a working class background yeah. and, and have no way of knowing how the world even works, but I could command like national attention. Yeah. Like it happens. It's not like a big mysterious thing. Just find the way, you know. So um, it was. It was never like a thing that my parents pushed me into doing. It, it was never. I didn't move in arty circles or anything like that. Growing up on the Isle of Wight, did you mm. feel like you was off the coast of the mainland? You know, did you feel like there was something bigger out there, or was your world growing up the Isle of Wight anyway? I just remember always wanting to leave, but not necessarily because I hated it. I think it was, I just wanted more. Yeah. And I wanted more experience, more life experience. 
Um, I probably want to get laid, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, as I said, I've got friends on there, myself, who are sort of our age, yeah. and they've got kids, and, and they just want to get off. Maybe because it's relatively small, and they know all of it, and they know that there's more. But how long have they been there? They've all been their a... life. Once the children got to, like, end of school age, they wanted yeah. to come over to the mainland. I, I always couldn't wait to leave, but I love it, and I'm always back there, and I probably, like, ricochet between London and Isle of Wight anyway. Yeah. Sort of, I, I sort of ricochet between London, Isle of Wight, Ibiza and India. Yeah. <laughs> that's not that's not a bad little one, is it? That's not it's bad. It's actually not bad. Like, it sounds, sounds really good, doesn't it? Yeah, it sounds very good. Mm. Um, so when did you realise that you wanted to be an artist? Didn't have the notion of I want to be an artist. I Just from the off, I was doing art, which might sound a bit wanky, but it's I, no. I, I've never really... It doesn't depend on a kind of recognition or a... Um, but then I think that's because I've always shown my art. Mm. If, if I'd have been sort of accumulating it and stockpiling it and not publishing it, then maybe there's the, the idea of being an artist comes up because you've got to show it mm. and all that. But from the beginning, even doing that little comic, I was always publishing it. And uh, I remember at one time, I think when I was about 12 years old, I had a part-time job, Saturday job, on Alan Bay and the Isle of Wight drawing people's caricatures oh, nice. so they'd come in and sit down and be like this like obnoxious 12 year old spotty kid with his like little <laughs> glasses and his crow nest hair and I did like these terrible caricatures and charge them five pound they'd have to pay it because it's like a little kid <laughs> and, like, yeah, just out of guilt do you know what I mean and there was a badge making machine so used to like cut up pictures from smash hits and stuff and sell yeah, those as yeah. well um yeah, I, I, I guess that's a very Isle of Wight sort of activity, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, you've got to go with, with what's about, eh? Yeah. Um, so the idea of becoming an artist is, wasn't, you know, for better or worse, I, I was just always doing it, so mm. the question didn't really occur. And maybe still doesn't occur, but it can't occur now because I've just done too much. Yeah. I've exposed myself too much, it's too late. <laughs> and once you found... The fuzzy felt mm. as your ideal material at this stage. You know, at who's, this stage, who's yeah, to you're say right. It's not going to change. Yeah, yeah, but you found the material that works best for for the ideas that you had. Mm. Um, how was you showing them images? Um, how was you showing your first artworks to other artists when you produced these fuzzy felt? Um, images because it's it's a bold material to use it's it's one that works and it's one that can easily fail but because of you've come from your background mm. it works perfectly it dovetails with what i do but it is a very i mean any medium has its limitations mm. and god knows fuzzy felt has its limitations it's a joke it's it's kind of maybe it's a bit masochistic to use it but i found a way to make it work and i developed a workflow which when I say I've been doing this for like, been making the fuzzy felt paintings for a year, there's probably like another two years before that, whilst I was, you know, using all different materials, I was developing the methods that um, lead to the workflow that I have now. Yeah. And it is quite a particular workflow and it is to favor the kind of vector digital drawings that I do. And what was the first image, or the first few images that you come up with? Ah, let me think about this. Um, I need to have a look. 
Because they look the size of the ones that I can see here are possibly round about A1. Yeah, they're all A1, those ones. And we've got some like five by fives on the floor and I've got some smaller ones as well. Um, I don't know which the, the, I don't know which was the first fuzzy felt painting I did, but I do know one of the designs is actually twenty years old. It's the ones of the two robots yeah, having yeah. a shag. Yeah, I know. And I've called that one Electro Clash. So that's um obviously like a pun on the the Electro Clash scene, nag, 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 and all those lovely clubs that I used to go to and be involved um, with. Um, that first appeared in a video I did for Atomizer called Hooked on Radiation, 2003. And I kind of, I recycle a lot of my imagery anyway, so it made its way into a couple of other videos over the years. Um, like I say, once you have that master file, yeah, it's that's the that's the wonder of digital. Yeah, it's it's completely recycled. I did a talk last week, and it was about the... Um, the reuse and revisiting of, of previous work. Mm. And it's, mm. yeah, why should you, it not be there? It would have been, originally, it would have been like a line, um, lots of, like a line to a sort of drawing with lots of gradients and stuff. So all I've done is drop the lines, drop the gradients, um, very much into this colour blocking thing at the yeah, moment. I yeah. don't want gradients, I don't want shade, um, I don't want lines. Do you let's going back to the... I started asking this as you said lines. I was mm. going to say, do you, do you think that's going back to the cartoon imagery? Yeah, definitely. Because um, the way I started would be reading comics and then copying the comics and then making my own yeah. characters. It was all to do with the pen. And I mean, if you think about like nineteen eighty, it just would have been too expensive to do a colour photocopy yeah. or something. Yeah. So it would always be black and white. It would always be pen based. And of course, I still use the pen. I mean, everything is starts off as a you know, with the pen and then it becomes digitised. But I just like the idea of, um, for me, there's, it, it's kind of like a, a visual sort of, uh, like a brain freeze or something yeah, when you see clashing, yeah. contrasting colours without lines. And it, it's literally just shapes and colours, yeah. which is great for felt. Of course. Um, anyway, you can't cut felt up that, <laughs> that thing that you can do lines. It would have to be like a very big picture. Yeah, and then condense it. Yeah, you can't go too small with felt. Um, and, you know... The, but you can the, go as big as you like. You can go as big as you like. I mean, it's, it's very sort of floppy and stuff, and you, you kind of have to, like, stiffen it. And, and there's just all these kind of tricks and devices that um, I, I put into the workflow. Mm. And was it all trial and error? What isn't? No, of course. <laughs> like, of course. No, but I mean, knowing about stiffening, did, did you have to... Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my God, it's like, you know, dis despite everything being online and that, there's, there's not actually, funnily enough, there's not a lot, I couldn't anyway locate a lot of information about how to do these pictures and make yeah. them work. So, um, but it comes from a, an experimental few years anyway, where I bought every medium going and every glue going and every card yeah, going yeah. and every cutting device and tape and spray and acrylic and God, you know, could say like a, Look back at it now, it's like I probably only need to like spend 500 out yeah. of like the five grand that I spent on the materials. Because it mean, as I'm talking to you here, it's reminding me of someone we spoke of earlier, Michelle Mildenhall, who uses latex. Yeah, I love so her hers stuff. is exactly the same as yours, insofar as it's just one flat, be it deep color, yes, laid on top of another uh -huh. to, to build up the form. Yeah, and also I'd say that her work has a digital um, origin, yeah. and so she, but she then goes to latex, so I'll, I'll go from digital, I'll go to felt. Um, I wasn't aware, because I haven't actually seen her work in the flesh, but um, I didn't realise it was layered, it all seems so yeah. flat. 
um, for myself, and even though felt is very, it's only like a mili one millimeter deep or whatever. Um, I'm even trying to not layer that, yeah. so I'm, I'm not even sticking <clears throat> um, felt onto felt. Even like the background sort yeah. of has to go around oh, so the you're, image. You're cutting them all in, and I'm just getting stricter and stricter and making it just you know giving yourself laws to to work by. Yeah, I'm, I'm just kind of obviously the limitations create the style, but the um, I don't know. It tickles me the idea of textile art being kind of super strict and yeah. uh, graphic. No, there's nothing, nothing wrong with that, is there? I think I just like the... Yeah. Um, because after all, the, the vector imagery, that's all flat. That's all... Yeah. It, it's just super yeah. flat, isn't it? It's, it's where's the where's the perspective, where's the depth? Mm. You know, it's... Um, I'd, I'd, you know, if I'd started with canvases and painting and all that, would it would have all turned out very differently. Of course. But um, You've got some large cell block H images there yes i do and they are the five by five or at least a couple of the five by five yeah i'm absolutely obsessed by prison cell block age that it's... was going to be my question How no no no, no. it's like there's very few things in life that tick all the boxes for me and that's like, one of very them. few and that's one of them like all 672 episodes <laughs> and all its depressed suburban 1970s melbourne housewife misery Mizog, like, <laughs> uh, yeah, I just love it. It's like a big sort of protector or comfort blanket that I can pull over me. Yeah, it's not a bad Forget thing. box sets, just like, I've downloaded all the episodes anyway into my hard drive, so. And also, I love going to India. That's another thing that I really love to do. And so, going to India and um, sit in my hotel room watching Prisoner Sub Block H doesn't get any better. <laughs> Could it not be over here? Does, does it have to be in India? Just, it's just gilding the lily if of I course, go to India and do course. it. Of course, if there's a lily there, let's gild it. Uh, Which piece that you've created has got the strongest emotional connection? Emotional connection? Yeah. Wow. Oh, my God. Um, yeah, I mean, the emotions, there's so many different emotions, aren't they? The one that was really painstaking and went wrong and like took forever and that I hate... I'm going to have the biggest emotional yeah, yeah. response. But then again, the one that just came together really easily and made itself and looked perfect and happened in about five minutes, that's another emotion. That's brilliant, I think, when that happens. So, yeah, it, it can happen. And I do find that, especially with ideas, um, ideas drop into my head all the time, but usually the best ideas come fully formed when I'm absolutely not thinking. So it could be when I'm on a flight or when I'm on a train. Um, you just create a space, and yeah. for me, that's how it seems to work. It just pops in, and it just comes subconscious in. Subconscious starts to do a little bit more, doesn't it? It's, it's all there. It's all around us. So it, it's just about attracting it and um, digesting it, and you know, sort of um, filtering it. I don't know. Well, what's one that that would be not necessarily your favourite, but one that sort of ticks all the boxes for you that you've created? I don't really have that. I've got to be no. honest. I don't have that because I get the idea. I, I mock it. I work very quickly, and then I know it looks good, like digitally, and then I know it will look good in felt. Yeah. So, it's like I say, it's about a buzz. Like all the pictures I do give me that buzz, or I wouldn't dare bore anybody else with them. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So at least I've got to like them. But maybe one that's quite good to. There's a couple over there I can't see. Um, <laughs> well you've got several on the go at the moment I've got several on the go the one that I like possibly would be the Trans Europe one um, the sort of craft work um, Trans Europe Express um, 
but craft work as uh, transgender and that's in a kind of red, yellow and blue tricolour. Just because I always liked that original image and it goes back to the 70s and um, it was a very sort of optimistic image, that album cover, very powerful, yeah, yeah. memorable cover. I remember I did it, funny enough, I was in India and it was in 2016. Two biggest noise uh, noise stories, <laughs> but anyway, everyone Just was accent kicking back in there. Everyone was banging on about um, Europe, and everyone was banging on about trans rights, and I just trans Europe, trans Europe, trans Europe, and just sort of conflated the two, and thought, okay, I really hope this doesn't offend anybody because it's meant to be like a very sort of a futuristic, optimistic um, two things that I really support and bringing them mm. together. So it's there's like a political intent. But my politics is very kind of, um, you know, inclusive and optimistic, or at least if I'm going to do work for political bent, it has to be that because you have to bring out what you want to see. Mm. Um, I, I can't be the sort of artist who, if I do political things, it's um, it's too on the nose yeah, and it, yeah. it, it's too, showing the misery too much. I'd rather show the hope or what could be mm. um, if I ever get onto politics with a small p. Yeah, that's where uh, that's a good place to have politics is with a small P at the moment. <laughs> where where do you go to relax? Well, if I can, I'll go to Rishikesh in India in the foothill of the Himalayas. I'll find a nice sandy beach. Um, I'll arrange myself artfully on some rocks and I'll make sure that the Holy River Ganga is flowing maybe up to my neck with sort of icy cold charge. Nice. And then I'll look at all the sort of verdant landscapes and breathing that immaculate fresh air and I find that quite relaxing but if I can't do that it's just Coronation Street in a wank probably <laughs> in that order <laughs> <laughs> if there was you and five other artists past and present what would be your perfect group show group show ah funny I don't know because I've never curated a show and I, I don't, I think there's a real art to it and a, a real dynamic to choosing artists and putting them together. So um, I'm not sure I would be able to curate a show just on my preference. Does it make sense? Yeah, of course. Or which of the five most influential, maybe? Yeah, definitely. Well, number one would probably have to be the entire IPC comic artists of the Perfect. 70s and early Perfect. 80s because when you're reading all those strips I never really looked at the names and I couldn't it's funny because the characters would all be in a sort of different style and you would I would anyway I would kind of be able to tell which artist was doing different characters across different publications there's a lot of to and fro and going but I never really studied the names mm. or, or all of that so they would all just have to like those hundreds of artists would just all have to come as one homo homogenous like, they'd have to be classified as one person. Yeah, yeah. That'd be the first guess. Um, I think second really quite influential artist would be um, Alan Aldrich, particularly the work he did with Harry Willock, um, who sometimes gets overlooked. But when we see all the fabulous kind of psychedelic um, imagery he did, especially there was this Beatles songbook that we had in the house on the Isle of Wight, and it was on the piano. And so it's like the most mundane everyday household item but because the Beatles were so big and popular yeah. but they had this um, psychedelic sort of art streak going through them the illustrated lyric book was, was just so out there and, and trippy and 
fucked up, you know, for like a seven-year-old who's just trying to <laughs> learn the piano and learn some little Beatles songs. Yeah. And you're seeing like the most jaw-dropping, um, sort of sexual, occult kind of, yeah. you know, but then it's like a, a sort of cosy family sort of favourite thing. So I really have to say that book, um, you know, it, it was like a portal to me. So nice. it had like, all these amazing kind of, just stuff that you couldn't even imagine but put into visual form. Mm. Um, and my most favourite images from that book were um, Alan Aldrich, the work he was doing with with um, Harry Willock. Um, so they was they they was massively, um, if not influential, then very much appreciated mm. and uh, very inspiring. Let's say, you know. And I really do like that. Um, I just like the combination of such fucked up out there psychedelic imagery um, being in an everyday kind of suburban um, situation. Yeah, well, you've, you've no doubt used a lot of that in your own work. I don't really sort of see psychedelic as rainbow colours and every colour of the spectrum. Do you know what I mean? Mm. If you, I mean, that sort of work that I'm referencing would be... Yeah, I don't, Funny I enough, don't I've just seen a picture of um, Carly <laughs> on my computer with like a... Carly with like six arms and all the, yeah. the sort of um, necklace of skulls and... Now I'm beginning to see, yeah, that's, that's kind of where they got it from, probably. All these kind of, you know, because Hindu deities, obviously, like, yeah, super psychedelic. Just ask Jimi Hendrix's experience. Of course. So we've got up to two. Um, third one, um, massive. I can remember if we, if we now sort of jump a few years and go towards, if we just ignore music, because music was really much bigger influence than art. Yeah. I mean, music, I'm sure it was for a lot of people in this country, it was... It was more than life. It wasn't, you know, life was music or life was second to music. Mm. Music was what happened, you know, the, the charts, pop stars, radio, you know. Yeah, I don't radio, think there's any you know. argument that, that music and was, is the, the, the sort of biggest influence or the biggest pull on, on everyone. Mm. Well, I know that from my, all my years doing visuals for musicians because whatever you were doing with your visuals, all the sort of glory would go to the musician. Mm. Because obviously people, it's fair enough really, people go to concerts and festivals to hear music, not to look at imagery. But that could be frustrating when you you really sort of care about your imagery and you 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 want to make it special. And it's sort of all, you you know, might be even why I came away from it slightly. Um, But so if we we skip past musicians, um, I'd have to say like a really big digital influence for me was this Japanese animator called Mumble Boy. And I discovered him when I lived in Brighton at the end of the 90s, and we were still doing dial-up internet. I didn't have a computer, so I'd go to the local library and spend like one pound for an hour <laughs> session. Excellent. And I used to log onto this website of a musician called Momus, who's amazing, like, uh, I think he's like the best lyricist this country or Scotland's ever produced. But he, he also had this website, which uh, was hydra-headed, went out in all directions, was a really good resource for culture. And he would cover a lot of arts and events and situations around the world. Um, and he used to feature these flash animations by a guy called Mumble Boy. He's still going, but he does a lot of collage work and it's, it's not so digital now. But he used to do these... Um, it was psychedelic in a different way because flash was kind of new. And, um, you know, it's a Wild West sort of time of the web where the rules hadn't been formed. And he was just doing like these bonkers... Um, animations and they weren't music they had sound effects but they would just be like pure hallucination it was that version of animation which feels like hallucination Mm. um 
you know, not really a, a, a plot or a concept or a moral, or it, it's just kind of like visual candy, and it's coming from Japan, and it's coming through this exciting new medium called the internet. So, you know, something like that would really turn my yeah, head. Yeah. Even though I'd be like 27 years old, it would, you know, it felt like something new. Something new, something that you've found. and A world that could open up massively. And of course, it did open up massively, and I did sort of go down that rabbit hole. So that had a, a supremely massive... Um, influence on me even though the work I do use flash a lot even now even though my animations look nothing like his um, but they're barely on the web now because it, you know it's like 20 23 years ago so um, so that's mumble boy number three who's number four um, I can think of number four I can't think of number five I was gonna say Lee Barry for number four because he's you know Lee Barry no. Now, you might know Lee Barry's him because Boy George did a play about him and oh, stole a lot of his I looks do. and stuff. Of course, I saw him. I didn't want you being on your own no. webcast saying, I don't know who Lee Barry no, is, sorry. I saw him. I, he I died a take... few years ago, didn't he? He died, I think, in 94, and 95. And is he the one who used to do the stuff in the clubs? Yeah. That so was extreme. Well, he wouldn't need a mark. He did, like, performance art. He did, like, one where he, they didn't know he was carrying a woman who was bent double underneath, you know, yeah. he was a big guy, and he gave birth. Like, no one even knew there was a, a woman, like, stuck around his stomach. And I think he did, like, the minging things, like, spraying shit on the audience and stuff. That's, and like that. I see him at Heavens doing that. But he was the... Um, Lucian Freud used to do all the portraits of him. Um, so he was famous for that. And um, I think The Fool, you know, Marky Smith and The Fool? Yeah, 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 yeah. They did... Um, he used to feature in their videos, and I think they did a ballet that he was in. or mm. I don't know. He was just, like, this no, huge... No, I don't know, yeah. Then Boy George did his musical really was art in just in his manifestation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and <clears throat> just visually how he would turn people on and, and press all sorts of buttons. And just for the facts, I really like people who, I mean, even though he passed away maybe 25 years ago, no one's really kind of taken his crown. Yeah. I love those sort of people. So it's like influenced like hundreds and thousands of club kids and stuff. Yeah. And even though there's perhaps more technology now to dress up and put fabrics together and, and create your looks. and But still, for me, nothing... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you can't really yeah. take his crown. So he's... Um, I mean, he did push performance to to different levels, didn't he? I think he, he pushed so many things and we're just... We're still in the fallout of Lee Barry. Trying to catch up with him, even, like, 25 years later. It was just like, you know, people like that don't come along every day. No. Not only is it there's something you don't see every day. It really is like they don't come along every day. Yeah. And it's, it's, is it once in a generation? Is it once in a lifetime? I don't know. So for somebody that wasn't going to be my number four, he kind of has to be. Yeah. Because I've spoken so much about him. You can see in this Michelin Man picture I've got, which is, but then he's also wearing um, a Lee Barry mask. So Lee yeah. Barry had this famous um, look where he had light bulbs um, for, for ears or don't quite know how to describe it, but it, it was a mask, it was a look, it was a famous one. See, that's what I like in a piece of artwork, where it looks innocent. It's an in innocent image, and I like to have a little bit of sinisterism. sinisterism. Well, the, the, the fact of the matter is, don't you think Mitch the Man's just kind of sinister anyway, yeah, in he's, some way? Yeah. He's, he's kind of... I don't know, I always thought he was a bit... I wouldn't like to say dodgy, or don't want to like shame, <laughs> shame the Michelin Man, but... I don't know, yeah. there was something about him. Anyway, he's quite sort of jolly and larger than life. Yeah. And, I, you know, it, the way I make these associations aren't, you know, they're not meant to be perverse or controversial. I just sort of see 
Lee Barry when I see the Michelin yeah, Man and yeah. maybe vice versa. So he put the two together and it works. Well, he used to paint himself white quite often, didn't he? His, 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 his canvas was like his body, yeah. was his face and beyond his body and his face. Mm. So there were no sort of limits for Lee Barry. Yeah. So, you know, he's, he's art 24 seven, um, even, you know, dead, he has as much presence as alive, you know, so he's art, 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 he's number four. And my number five is going to be my friend Boogaloo Stew. Okay. Do you know Boogaloo Stew? No, I don't think so. Okay, shall I show you Boogaloo Stew? Please do. Okay. Uh, shall I say no? I may well do when I see the image. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know a fella called Stu who done a bit on Boogaloo Radio. It'd be funny if that was him. Would be. Well, you'd know if it was this guy. This is Boogaloo Stew. Oh, I don't, but I want to. So now you're in the world of Boogaloo <laughs> Stew, you're in the clutches yeah, of Boogaloo Stew. He's going to wreak his, uh, his magic on you. Stu was someone I encountered for the first time in 1992 when I lived in Brighton, and he was running some club nights there. And what Stu does is art. He basically, he creates a world. He, well, he, he creates himself, he makes all his own costumes and makes his own wigs and things, creates his persona, creates his characters. Then he creates club nights, or he creates uh, theatre productions, or he creates interactive bingo, or whatever it is Excellent. he's doing. It's hydra-headed art. Create, it's just non-stop creativity, and it's 24-7, and it's sense around. Um, he also had a music career. He released, like, three albums. And I worked... That's where a lot of collaboration I did with Stu, because I did, like, five of his music videos. Yeah. And they were, you know, kind of, like, my favourite ones to work on, because he's so colourful. It's so fantasy it's so bonkers it's bonkers but it's brilliantly bonkers yes, it's absolutely divorced from reality and I, I like things like that where people can just create a whole new yeah. brand new world and particularly i like it when one person does it yeah so if one person can create a world i mean it's, it's great when like five people get together like a band and like you know create a genre or a world but but the thing about Stu is is it's not like um, a clubber who is kind of like he'll, he'll throw his own clubs he yeah. won't just go to a club he'll throw his own club then he'll take it on tour then he'll like make a, a musical around it or like you, you, know, you know what I mean it's just kind of like it, what's that expression like you cut them you know you cut him he bleeds fucking pastel coloured polyester or yeah. something you yeah. know and it, it's been 24-7 it I've known him 30 years now and yeah, I love people. You know, like the Boogaloo Stew thing is, is still going strong. It's probably been an influence on me. With You know, I, I can sort of see it now. We're looking at all his images of him on Google Image Search. Um, I, I find, you know, when, when things are inspirational to me, they're also aspirational. Yeah. And I just sort of think, I really like the quality that person's bringing forward into the world. And, um, it's, you know, it's just something to spy Yeah, it doesn't to. even have to be visually. You know, even if, you, if you're not getting what they're doing visually, it's like we were talking about someone earlier sound about the aura that they bring oh know? i love aura yeah i've got a felt painting over there of the crass logo remember the band crass yeah um but i've done it in battenberg color so it's like pink nice. and yellow yeah yeah you know but um i've called it aura because crass to me even on the isle of white like, they didn't really have hits they weren't on the radio but you see the crass logo everywhere yeah. I, had a, I had an album when i was younger I mean, they were like, just as a piece of graphic or a symbol, it was as ubiquitous as a McDonald's sign or something. Yeah, see, I didn't even know. It was stenciled everywhere. No, yeah. You saw the logo everywhere. I Leather jackets, because, because I'd seen it about, didn't know too much about the, I, I was into the sort of, the scarf thing. I was mm -hmm. a bit too young for the punk. Mm. 
just missed it. Um, but they yeah. took no prisoners. I mean, yeah, their music was was like hardcore, but um, I'm, I guess yeah. So that picture was called Aura, just because to me, without hearing a note of their music, which is in itself mind blowing, um, and plenty to discuss there. It was just the fact they had this fabulous aura around them. Yeah. And, you know, some people have it, some bands have it, some musicians mm. have it, you know. So, I also yeah. think um, when it comes to things like aura, it's um, timing. I'm really big on this thing called timing. So a lot of my advances in my so-called career or my activities are really about timing. Mm. So they could be about a technological advance, doing something before other people cotton on to it, yeah. meeting the right person when you went to the wrong club, you know. Yeah, yeah um, it's all good. I see it as timing, where if you just do it like the same thing, but six months either side, you mm. know, and it doesn't have any sort of traction and, you know, easy to be like, it just always seems so obvious in hindsight. Yeah, yeah. But it's when you don't know the next step to take and you're baffled and you're thinking, what the hell am I going to bring forth? Yeah. Because that's really what art is. I mean, we're, we're sat here with all these silly felt paintings, um, you know, but like a year ago, it was just a pile of yeah, felt. Yeah. No one was asking for it. Nobody needs it particularly. And you've and just, if I'd have just it arranged it in a certain manner. But I could have just said, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. And it doesn't exist and it's not happening. But the power that you give it with all of its history, coming from your comics as a childhood, your day job that you've done for so many years 800 years yeah. <laughs> yeah it just gives it, it's multi-layered it gives it a bit of substance doesn't it i think i'm realizing now just because we're talking about it so much it's harking back to that that really early comic sort of influence mm. i think that what it is but not so much the black and white comic strips maybe it's a reference to the sort of saturated colors of a saturday morning cartoon strip on the television yeah which is more digital isn't yeah, it than yeah. print which is what i started with yeah but all, well, these, all the, these things swirl around. I love, the, I love simple imagery mm. that's got plenty of layers and it's really strong. Mm. It's a really yeah. strong artwork. It's One I best. use often is, is a, a guy called Dave Buonaguidi. Um, is that the Batman? No, no. and him as well. Mm. They both sit by, side by side with what I'm about to say. Yeah. Very simple imagery, yeah. extremely powerful, multi-layered. Yeah. Not so sure about this one. Yeah. I love shite. Oh, <laughs> there we that's go. fighting talk there. Do you reckon he's been there? I, I, I don't know. I mean, living on the Isle of Wight, everybody says, oh, I went there once when I was seven. <laughs> and oh. there the conversation ends. Yeah, I was a bit older Mysteriously. Than Isle of Wight does have that kind of, it is quietly sort of trippy in that very sort of English way with all its sort of theme parks and model villages and outsized gnomes and dinosaur lands and yeah, things. Yeah, because I... You've got to remember, you, you grow up with all this stuff. You t you're taking it all yeah. in. If you wasn't an artist, what would you be? That one's actually quite easy. I'd, I'd probably be a failed musician because when I got my computer in the year 2000, it was the first time I, I, I got, like, basically got, like, a really small inheritance, and up until that point, I couldn't afford a computer or anything like that. Um, so I spent the money on a PC and a trip to Australia for the millennium. Um, but anyway, I had to blow five grand. Um, I spent the first six months downloading like B-sides and things on Napster through like dial-up. Just so obsessed with music at one point in my life and, and that would have been the obvious thing. The next step would have been to create some music and, yeah. and give that a whirl. Um, but the fact of the matter is I was a bit late in the day to do that. I was 30 years old and actually by that point through clubbing 
um, I knew a lot of musicians and, um, you know, they would have been, they would have helped me perhaps sort of with software and, and put music together. But at the same time, they were like, hey, we need a website or yeah, like yeah. we need a little sort of music video to put online and you can do that. And, you know, we could take it on tour and put it on our live show. So it, I quickly found my sort of role, which was like, okay, I won't be doing music, but mm. I will be kind of collaborating with musicians um, very closely, which I did for years after that. Yeah. So I probably would have been a, a musician, but from what I know about it now, um, you know, 99.9, it's the failure rate is, um, I guess it's second only to artists. <laughs> second only to visual artists, maybe. What have you got coming up? I've got, um, my first solo exhibition is coming up in March. Starts on March the 5th, and it's going to be all throughout March until April the 1st. And that's at the Barge House off the Kingston Road. It's on the canal, it's in Dalston. Um, and yeah, that's the Barge House. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a nice little venue, and I, I go there anyway, and I like the people, and, you know, blah, blah. I'm having my first, so it's my first solo exhibition. So that, for me, that's news. That's something that's coming up. It's something I've never done before, so I'm, you know, obviously very excited by that. Coming up after that... Adam's though, wife had one there, didn't she? Yeah, Nana, Nana yeah. SRT. She had a photography one, just finished there. So, um... How many artworks you got on show there? For that exhibition, I'm going to have, I think, about 20. Um, so it's all the stuff I exhibited in Liverpool a couple of months ago, and then maybe eight new paintings in felt. And I'm also going to be showing, we're going to be screening some of my music videos. So nice. I've done like 100. I'm going to choose, I've chosen like 50. <laughs> I'm going to put them in a playlist. Mm. And I think Adamsi is going to DJ as well, hopefully. Nice. So. That'd be a nice little PV, and then um, Barge House will continue as a restaurant, but all the work will be on the walls, um, you know, while people socialise. That'll be going up to April the 1st. After that, I don't know, probably some more um, exhibitions, because, you know, I haven't done my first exhibition, I'll no doubt want to do a second or a third. Um, but the truth is, um, I'm still in the sort of exposing myself phase yeah. of exhibiting, and... What happens after that, I don't know. It depends on the grown-ups. So, <laughs> I don't know. Again, you know, we'll see what invitations I get. Um, otherwise, I'll be continuing to... I'll be doing all my um, music videos. And uh, I do a lot of GIFs and stickers, which end up online. Um, I've got a Giphy artist account, and quite often my stickers appear in Instagram stories. You know, when you go to yeah, put yeah. The, the sticker on. And they trend worldwide. And at the moment, I've got 2.7 billion views. Fucking hell. Which is just ridiculous. And you get 50 pence per one? You get nothing. <laughs> of course you get nothing. You get absolutely nothing. And I, I don't know, there's a kind of a charm to that. Because all that is, is like a silly, pointless glory of coming yeah, up to 3 yeah. billion. But, you know, we all like a nice big number. So it's quite Do you funny. do gifts for people if they want a gift yeah 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 sometimes he, without them even asking but then that's also how I made music videos yeah sometimes I would just like the piece of music and I would like to see a video for it and I would make it Perfect. as simple as that nice. and when I started doing that maybe in 2001 it was five years before YouTube so um, my website ladypat.com I started in 2001 and it's been online ever since it's never moved it's not going anywhere it's um I'd make my videos in flash upload them blah 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 
So again, good timing because we didn't really have YouTube. Yeah. We didn't have yeah. these things. So sometimes I'd, I'd make videos and I guess gifts and stickers. Um, I'm, I'm either making new work or recycling work or doing it for my own pleasure. Sometimes people ask me to do it. But it's a funny one. Like I can do it. I can definitely do it for people. But generally people want to have like their names and their logos on stickers. And those are the things that never, ever trend. Yeah. It's, that's the sort of game with stickers yeah, and yeah. gifts. It's actually quite hard to contrive something to trend because you just don't know what people no, are going to pick no. up on. Um, again, it's very interesting. It's like the years I did VJing. It's very helpful in deciding what work to do as artwork because you see what people respond to straight away. Um, one thing that I have learned is people absolutely love what they recognise. You know, the, the quicker they can recognise it or make a connection. Mm. Um, you know, just try and leave that space for, for people to identify. It's a world I don't know. It's a world I don't know at all. What? Gifts and stickers and... Okay, okay. That's what I don't understand. Okay, so well, I'm, 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 I'm sure we can make you a little sticker or something. Um, where can people... I know you've just mentioned your website there, but mm. where can people find you online, website and social media? Yeah, so my website is, like me, it's LadyPat, so ladypat.com. Email is ladypat at ladypat.com. <laughs> Instagram is ladypat underscore art. So, a bit of variation. Um, is there any more? Facebook. Don't really like Facebook. So Neither do I. I think come to Instagram. It's visual. And that's that's what I like about it. It's the best place. Um, it's Anyway, it's where I show what I'm doing and my new work and all my sort of old stuff as well from time to time. Well, Lady Pat, that's all my questions asked. <laughs> Thank you very much for your time. Not at all. Thank you very much. There you go, Lady Pat. That was something different, wasn't it? I loved how his use of fuzzy felt. I absolutely loved how his use of fuzzy felt over acrylic paint and spray cans reflected back to his childhood and his love of comics. And the use of fuzzy felt, I think, brings the notion that there could be something slightly dark and sinister lying beneath the surface. Possibly like Lady Pat himself. Who knows? As he mentioned, his first solo show is at the Barge House, which is a great little venue on the Regent's Canal, which is in De Beauvoir Town, just opposite the New Era Estate. It's just along from the Mole Man's House. Do you remember that? It was in the paper quite a few years ago. This old boy who owned it dug a labyrinth of tunnels underneath, unbeknownst to anyone. I don't know if the tunnels are still there, but it was bought recently by the artist Sue Webster. But getting back to Lady Pat's solo show, it happened a couple of days prior to the release of this podcast. But this was as close to the date we could get at short notice. So if you're in town, go take a look. It's a great little venue. So that's about it for this week. Thanks again to Adamski for making this happen. And like I say every week, you should be able to leave a review. If you could take just a few moments to do that, and it really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast. So thanks again, and until next week, ta-da. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com.